Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. All right, here we go with Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST. On Apple Podcasts, App, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we appreciate you the same. We've got a big-time preview for you guys today. It's very exciting. Uh, we are officially less than one week away from MLB opening day. I, I said it, and it's true, and it's real, and I don't know what year it is exactly, but we got the NCAA tournament. We got NFL free agency. We got the midst of an actually exciting New York basketball season. And to top it all off, baseball one week away can't freaking wait with me today the designated hitters first and foremost alec argento what's up dude what's up how hyped are you about baseball how pissed are you about the knicks right now well i'm actually in a good groove right now because the giants are also good uh again and Mm. and they have a whole draft just like filling two spots (laughs) and the knicks all right all moral victories. I'm good with it, and you know I'm a big, big Yankee guy. So I, I, I'm, I'm feeling good right now. Um, I, I'm on cloud nine, even though you know I, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night after the, after that, that soft call from the refs in mm. the next game. Sports glory. It seems to be in your future. It's possible you have three good teams that you root for. Very soon, it's possible. Uh, we're not gonna get ahead of ourselves. I don't know what I'll do it myself. But it's possible, and of course, also Send with them us. Up for failure. Yeah. I just want to see Alec get hurt again. <laughs> uh, but no, <laughs> also here with us, of course, Andrew Kalanya. What's up, guy? How's it going? I'm ready to talk about the topic that's on all New York sports uh, fans' minds, whether Chris Kreider or Mika Zibanejad deserves to be the New York Rangers' next captain. Who ready is it? Break it all down. Ready to get your guys' thoughts. Let me get your take in three seconds because I don't know. I just know that I see a decent bit of people on Twitter talking about both of those guys, and they're doing pretty good. Is that what I am concluding? Yeah, Mika Mika's very hot and cold, uh, and Kreider's kind of the guy who c- kind of came up with the team and kind of sat went through them with uh, the good times and the bad times, and now Rangers are back on the up again, so I'd like to see Kreider get the C. So you didn't expect me to actually ask you about hockey there, did you? No, I didn't. <laughs> I actually thought those names were like like spring training camp invitees or something like that. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure one of those Rangers didn't he just have like seven points in a period or yes. something like that? Yes, he did. Look at me, yeah. well-rounded yeah. sports host over here, baby. Something like that. Uh, that's hockey talk in the history of Subway Sports Talk right here. The Islanders are points, really good. Called runs. Ah, uh. <laughs> they're, they're called points. But we actually it, it leads us to a good spot here again. Pete Kennedy, Alec Argento, and Argento, Argento, and Andrew Kalanya. We are going to do something before we get into baseball. The baseball plan is pretty simple, and it's a foolproof plan for a preview of this nature. We got Mets and Yankees previews coming up. We are going to hit on their season over under number at the end, make predictions, you know, everything you can think of about the Mets and Yankees. After that, we are going to get to the whole MLB at large. World Series odds, MVP odds, home run leaders, hot takes, which teams uh, to keep an eye out for the, the sneaky, sneaky teams. I think last year we had a nice little back and forth on a couple teams that ended up being very exciting. Can they can they keep it up? The Padres, the White Sox come to mind. So we're going to talk about the MLB at large after Mets and Yankees. First, 
a segment I like to call the New York Minute. So I think let's start, since we already touched on the New York Knicks, let's start there, uh, Alec, and I'll turn to you first. Four games the past week, three of them were against top-tier teams in the Eastern Conference, despite the Sixers not having Embiid, despite the Nets not having Kevin Durant. Another game against the Magic in which they won. So we played the Sixers and the Nets. Great measuring sticks, even without their top-tier stars, right? Despite the anger with the refereeing and the frustration with, you know, the very anticlimactic endings for the Knicks in these hard-fought games, how do you feel walking away from that week of, you know, pretty tough battles for the New York Knicks? Well, my question to you would be, did you come away from those that four-game streak feeling like they were a bad team? No, but I do feel like I know how... I know how... Let me try to phrase it the right way. I know their ceiling, I think, and it's not as high as we had hoped, basically. And I think that's okay, but without Embiid, without KD, we're fighting, fighting, fighting tooth and nail for every bucket till the last second, and it's a grind. That team is... Those two teams aren't even at their peak of their powers, and the Knicks weren't exactly at their peak of their powers either without Derrick Rose, without Mitch Robinson for some of it. But, like, I know we're not top tier. That, that was what I learned, but I knew that already, and I still think we're now solidified in that mid-tier. Yeah, but that's Let's fine. Say, does it, it, did, it, did anyone actually think the Knicks were yeah. a top-tier team? Uh, people exactly. really, people were talking really about about so, so four or five, you, six seeds. You, you, you're asking me, like, do I come away? Like, is, there are still moral victories. Nobody mm-hmm. went into the season thinking the Knicks were going to be legitimate contenders. I still don't think they're legitimate contenders, but if they're, if they're fighting between the four and the six seed or, or, or the seven and eight seed, like that's a, still a huge season. If they, I don't care if, if, um, if, if they, uh, if the Sixers are down people or the, the Nets are without people, they're still dominating teams without them. Not just the Knicks. Knicks are keeping it close. Knicks are lost by five points or less or won a game uh, by five points or less. In that that in, in that four uh, game period, you come away thinking that hey, they can beat any team on any given night. When was the last time you felt like that with the Knicks, right? And exactly, you, you, I think this you, is like a like a, a a realistic best best case scenario. Is it is it not? Yeah, like I outside agree. of them winning the title, this is the literally the most realistic best case scenario for the Knicks. And I could still see them sneak. It depends on who they're matched up against, but like. If they were to if they were to get like like the the sixth seed or higher, which is conceivable this year, they could still eke their way out of the first round too with the way that they play. The the refs have been against them in terms of luck or whatever you want to call it for these past couple games. In the in the playoffs, we talked about it in our last pod that we were on. In the playoffs, these games don't get called as tight as they were. And you know what? You come away with these losses, but I still don't think that they should have lost that game that 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 game yesterday and. You know, it, it, it's a moral victory or whatever you want to call it. But if you're looking into this, they would have won that game if it was a playoff game, like if it was just the way that that was called. So I don't know. I come away feeling good. It's not like they got embarrassed in any of those games. So I'm happy with it. Absolutely. I, I think you should be. I think uh, it's important to note because, yes, the three of us may be sitting here with our rational caps on, but not everybody out there in the ether of uh, Twitter or the podcast listening world have their rational caps on all the time. And there was a good bit of, oh, if the Knicks really make a run, if the Knicks make one more move before the all, uh, the trade deadline, maybe they can be a top four seed in the Eastern Conference. Like, I just don't think that's possible. Alec, you and I discussed it on the last episode where we are in the camp of standing pat. 
making maybe some small moves for flat, uh, cap flexibility, more draft picks, Live whatever you want to do. Live yeah, exactly. So th- that stuff's all good, all fine and dandy. But is Norman Powell going to push them over uh, a hump? No. Is even no. Victor Oladipo? Obviously, LaMarcus Aldridge. I don't think that's going to do anything. So there's not a lot of moves to boost them very high. I think some Knicks fans are hopeful for some sort of splash at the deadline. I would say Lonzo. put your hopes down. I would love Lonzo, man. That would make me incredibly excited. It but dep- it depends, though, because it, it, what the, what they're going to want is not what I'm willing to give up. And like, it just doesn't make sense for either team it's, to do those trades right now. It's not the it's it's not the time. It, this is the same mistake they made when they went out and got Carmelo Anthony. They had a nice core of players, and then they pushed it all in on someone. You know, maybe they shouldn't have done. I'm not saying that Carmelo Anthony was any kind of bust or anything like that, but I feel like they made that move maybe a year earlier than they should have. Absolutely. Hindsight's 2020. Yeah. We are in the patience era with the New York Knicks now for real this time where like we are being patient as fans. The front office is being patient. Hopefully Tibbs is being patient to some sort of degree with certain players, you know, like we need Mitch to, to have some patience with his offense development, et cetera. So good place for the New York Knicks. We will all admit that. And that feels good to admit. So we'll move on from the New York Knicks and continue on our New York Minute with the New York football giants. Alec, also back to you. You are extremely excited about the outlook of this free agency uh, because of Kenny Galladay, Adoree Jackson, um, and Kyle Rudolph as the leading you know, signees of the bunch there for the New York Giants. Why are you so excited about the outlooks right now? Well, I, I said it last, last offseason that they were an offseason away from being legitimately competitive. Listen, do I think that they're going to win a Super Bowl? No, I don't think that this year. But they should make the playoffs this year. With with what they have left to get, it's so minimal. They needed to go into this offseason getting a, a wide receiver one, and not just any wide receiver, a, a big body wide receiver red zone threat with sure hands. A gamer. They needed to get a tight end that can spell Evan Ingram because, you know, for whatever you want to say about Evan Ingram, and I have a lot to say about him, he still adds value to the team. Um, and then they needed to get uh, a cornerback two a middle linebacker too to pair next to, to Blake Martinez and some ed- edge rushers. And then everything else is just depth. They got their wide receiver, they got their tight end and they got their cornerback too. And they got really good versions of them. Maybe Kenny Galladay was an overpay. You never know with NFL contracts, how they're spelled. And I know it's not all guaranteed and the guarantee is only about $13 million a year, but you overpay for him when you need that exact type of player on your team he Daniel Jones needs his Plaxico, right? And I, I know that there's still a ton of Daniel Jones haters, but those people don't watch a lot of Giants games. It, oh, well, in my opinion, I don't think it's I don't think that's a fair thing because uh, Daniel Jones had 11 picks last year. Six of them were targeted at Evan Ingram, uh, and four of them were batted passes from Evan Ingram. So um, <laughs> a lot of that has to do with him. He a, a short short-handed target in the red zone, which is always score in the red. He, they re-signed Leonard Williams. Uh, Adoree Jackson is awesome as a cornerback, too. Um, he could be a cornerback one on, on a lot of teams. And now you have a whole draft to get edge rushers, which they have high, uh, They have a high draft pick because they, they didn't get to the playoffs this year. And they just need a middle linebacker, too, to go there. So you spend your first two picks on, on edge rushers, and you get a middle linebacker that you could probably get in rounds three through six and, and have them be a viable starter with the way that Gettleman drafts because he does draft well. And 
you don't know what you're getting out of Saquon, but it's probably going to be better than you got out of Wayne Gallman last year. And Wayne Gallman was good, but you, you know, the offensive line got better last year, significantly better. And, you know, once Daniel Jones got hurt, that was what the, where the team kind of took a dip. But if he comes in healthy and he has people to throw to, I'm feeling good about the Giants because I'm not really worried about Ryan Fitzpatrick, Jalen Hurts, or uh, or Dak Prescott coming off of a, a, a potentially career-ending uh, injury. I'm, and I'm personally, I'm not convinced. Uh, you know, I think Galladay was was a little bit of an overpay, and I'm not convinced that he's a number one receiver. But I think that at this point in where the Giants are at, that he's exactly the kind of player that you do overpay for. Um, you know, again they need that that big wide receiver the guy that they can throw to uh you know toss up in the end zone so you know he's a, he's a good he's a good fit for the roster i just think it's a little bit of an overpay and you know he's had trouble staying on the field too so we'll see you know if his injury history uh you know comes up again but um i think you have to be very happy on where the giants are at and where they're at uh, going into the draft yeah and uh the, the spin zone on kenny galladay's contract is if you think about and listen to what all the people are talking about contracts, a lot of guys are taking one-year deals this year with the hopes of bigger deals to come because this TV deal that just got signed is going to bring massive amounts of Cap money to the NFL. Yep. Cap space is going to boom. These guys like Will Fuller, who signed a one-year deal, might get paid, paid next year. And Kenny Galladay's deal may actually look more friendly you know, a year from now than it does today. So that's the spin zone take there on the contract front. But Kenny Galladay's a stud. That helps Darius Slayton. So, Kenny Galladay's presence, Sterling Shepard being healthy, and Evan Ingram, that allows us to see Darius Slayton do what he did at the end of two seasons ago and at certain points last season. Uh, but when he was the number one guy, he couldn't handle it. He couldn't bear that load. So, that's exciting for the for the you know offensive weaponry, basically. Right? But the, the story is, for the Giants and for the Jets, we'll get to really quickly in a second, put up or shut up time. For the quarterback position, if Daniel Jones cannot put touchdowns on the board this year, it's over. Because I I can hear what you're saying about the interceptions mm-hmm. not being all his fault. That doesn't make up for the lack of touchdowns that he throws. It just doesn't. So unless the touchdowns flow a plenty for the New York Giants this upcoming year, it's time to to reevaluate quarterback and probably go get a new guy, which is likely a great thing. Because then there's a lot of talent. You got another guy who's young and cheap who might be the real answer, right? So there's a lot of positives to draw for the Giants. On the Jets from even more so lies on the quarterback right now, but really, really quick. We don't have to go long because we're going to get into baseball right now. Uh, Carl Lawson, edge rusher, good player. Uh, what I heard was sack numbers not special, but the pressures are special, and that's really what you care more about, the pressures. And then Corey Davis being the big wide receiver signing, similar to Galladay, but not the, the absolute game-breaking playmaking that Galladay has, but still a bit of an overpay coming off an awesome year for Corey Davis. Uh, and then LaMarcus Joyner, safety, going to help them out, amongst some other folks for the New York Jets. But it all comes down to quarterback, and we don't have time to talk about that with the New York Jets. It's Sam Darnold, or it's a plethora of guys not named Trevor Lawrence. We have a month or so to really dive into that. For now, let's move on to baseball. Subway Sports Talk, Pete Kennedy, Al Gargento. I keep saying Argento. What is this thing? Am I thinking of Jorge Cantu? What's going on here? I'd be weird name. if you were. That's a <laughs> weird if you were. Well, I'm, I'm locked into baseball mode right now, so how is Jorge Cantu not on my mind? That's what I'm saying. Anyways, Alec Argento. I almost did it again. Jesus Argento and Andrew Colanya here to talk baseball. Uh, should I flip a coin? How do we do this about talking uh, Mets or Yankees first here? 
I don't care, man. All right. Go for it. Uh, you're wearing orange and blue. Let's go Mets first. There we go. Yeah. I like it. Um, let's talk New York Mets. So we've done this conversation, I think, twice already leading up to this season where we say, oh, the Mets have a little more hype. They're really expected to be a player this year. They are, are now projected 90 wins by this metric and that metric. DeGrom looks even better than ever. Lindor is swinging the bat hot in spring training, even though the contract stuff's getting weird. What do we have to see and for how long before we actually say, okay, no, the Mets are seriously in this conversation and it's not preseason hype? Because that's yeah. that's the thing I'm afraid of most with the Mets, right? Preseason hype. How far do we sure. have to go to, to say it's legit, legit? Well, it's got to be a while because I've seen plenty of Mets teams that start out hot. Right. I've seen plenty of Mets teams that do like the 14 and two or something like that. So you got to see them for at least, I don't know, two, three months before you can start forming an opinion on them. If I, if you ask me a um, lot of question marks and not just really, listen, this is the first time I've gone into the year for a Mets team being like, yeah, they're a good team. I usually say there's a lot of question marks but the, uh, around the team itself, but the question marks lie with what this league looks like this year after a freak season last year. That's, that's really where I'm coming into it with, right? Do I expect the Nationals to be as bad as they were last year? Absolutely not. They're going to have Strasburg back. They're going to have Juan Soto miss a chunk of games last year. You know, these are things that you're, you're going to look at. I think the Phillies are going to be a lot better than they were last year. They, they picked up towards the end. I don't know what the Marlins look like. I don't think anyone does. Um, you know, are they a real a real team? Are they not? They're probably not, in my opinion. And then you have the Braves, who are loaded with talent. And, the, you know, their pitching is getting better and better every year somehow with no-name people. Um, so I, I, do I think the Mets are good? I do. But that division is going to be a bloodbath, if you ask me. And I don't know if you can count on anything with that this year. I could see three of those teams going to the playoffs and the fourth team missing out with a good record. So I, I don't really know what to think of the Mets in that regard. Andrew, before you cut in, I have a question for either of you. What is the playoff uh, finality here? What's the amount of teams? Is it the same as the short same. in the season? No, not at the same, same as normal. Group. They went back to the regular uh, five team format um, per league, three division winners, two wild cards. Got it. Thank uh, you. That's it. I mean, it could all change on opening day like they did, uh, you know, last year in the middle of uh, opening night. It's <laughs> a good point. Manfred <laughs> just shows up on TV and says, hey, expanded wild card. Hey, this and that. So I don't trust them to do anything. And, you know, maybe the DH will come into the bell. If he, uh, if he Oprah Winfrey's some DHs to NFL uh, uh, NL teams, you get a DH. You get a DH. That would be the best day ever. But, yeah, continue. Sorry. Oh. No, no. So, so I mean – it, it it could it could happen, but uh, we'll we'll see. But yeah, it's it's five it's five teams per league. Oh, now did you want to add Matt stuff? I'm sorry, I jumped into you and cut you off there, oh. threw us off the rails. So yeah, continue. Sorry, yeah, no, uh, I'm excited about the team as 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 much as you can be. Um, you know, the Mets did what they were supposed to do going in the off season. You know, it's something that um, they haven't done the last couple of off seasons where they they've kind of done a piece or two, you know, and the, the well ponds had their spending limit. And then that was, that was it. But the, the Mets did a combination of star power, acquiring star power and Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco, and then a bunch of great depth pieces and, and, and additions and, you know, Jonathan Bilar and Kevin Pilar and uh, Albert Amor Jr. And Jose Martinez and picking up guys with the bullpen, Trevor May and um, Aaron Loop. 
uh, you know, and uh, making the trade for uh, or signing Ty John Walker and Joe uh, training for Joey Lucchese. Lucchese? Lucchese? Lucchese. And it's, it's Taiwan Walker, by the way. I, I'm yeah, sorry. Ty, he's just my Taiwan. guy. I got I to gotta correct. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, and I think that's going to be really key for any team that actually really wants to contend is, is having that pitching depth because I don't think that you're going to want to go so hot rely so hard on your on your horses after you know them only pitching like you know 80 innings last year if they made the playoffs you know i think uh who, who won the signing in the american league um uh in cleveland bieber he only yeah uh bieber he only pitched like 125 innings last year so they, also came out with a new I, album you last don't really week. you don't really want him to throw i mean those guys are kind of the horses so like garrett cole if he throws 180 innings after throwing only 80 i think he'll be fine but again you're really going to want to have the the depth of of starting rotation and, and the mets did that you know not only did they resign stroman they got walker and lucchese and carlos carrasco and you know thor is coming back too so you know they have that depth in the starting rotation they have the depth in the bullpen too so um you know it's a they did everything that they were supposed to do uh, going into the offseason. They spent money. They added star power. They had depth. Uh, and it's very hard to not be optimistic about the team. And, you know, as far as, like, the other teams in the division go, again, I don't think the Nationals are going to be as bad as they were. And the Marlins aren't going to be great. Um, you know, I, I think the Braves, the, you know, they had a, a great offense last season. But I think they're going to take a step back, too, because, A, um, uh who was it? Uh, Ozuna, who right. was like a top three hitter in baseball last year. Like, I don't think he's going to repeat that. And the, the reason why he was able to do that is because he was DHing the whole time. Now he's going to have to play the field. So I think like his offense is going to take a step back. I mean, he's still going to be a good hitter, but I don't think he's going to be like one of the best hitters in baseball. So I think their offense takes a, you know, a step back a bit. So I think the division is, is for the Mets taking at the moment, just, you know, things, Again, it's always about health and it's always about, you know, uh, guys bouncing back and Dylan Batanz is bouncing back and maybe you can get uh, Edwin Diaz can finally get a save on consecutive days. Um, still hasn't done that as a New York Met. Uh, That's your favorite stat. <laughs> oh, it's, the, it's like impressive that he hasn't done it. He, he should have done it by accident at this point. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we're in year we're in year three of Edwin Diaz and he still has recorded a save on back to back days. In back-to-back games, like if there was an off day in between, he's done it, but not like on back-to-back days. He's never recorded a save for the Mets yet. Unbelievable. But this year's the year. I can feel it. It's going to happen, I think, maybe. I don't know. But real quickly, you, not you, to... One, one big thing just to throw in there, you do have a rookie manager, and that's something to look out for too. And, and uh, you got to see how that plays out. Didn't he, could, he didn't manage the short season, or are you just not counting that? He did. He did? Yeah, he did. Yeah. He managed a short yeah, well, then I'm wrong. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's I right. thought you were maybe just year. like saying, no, oh, last, it doesn't count. Last year, was, last year was a blur for me. I apologize. It's fair. Remember they had, they had Beltran and then they fired Beltran. And I'm thinking that was this offseason. 2020 yeah. is weird, guys. Forgive <laughs> me. <laughs> In a world where Beltran's the you know manager of the Mets, who, where would we be today? I don't know. But real quick, not to get you guys to give predictions just yet. I just want to put this in your head so you can start thinking about it so the listeners are aware of it. This is how the NL East breaks down, and this lends itself to how strong this division is right now. The Mets, according to Fandle, just a site I have up at the moment, are not the highest projected win total, according to Vegas, or over-under, if you will, uh, in its own division. The Braves set it at 91.5. The Mets are right behind at 91. We have the Washington Nationals at 84. 
the Phillies at 81 and the Marlins, I think 71 and a half. I uh, could check that, but it doesn't matter. Um, so that's the breakdown. So start thinking about that. We are going to predict over-unders for the Mets and Yankees and some other teams as we move out. But that shows how good this division is. And we expected it last year. Now it's even better. So let's talk about the Mets breakdown in general. Let's start with the offense because that is, other than Jacob deGrom, the the winner, the breadwinner, right? That's what's bringing home the bread for the New York Mets this year. This lineup, when you look at it, is stacked. According to Fangraphs, this is just the projected go-to lineup versus right-handed pitchers. It has Jeff McNeil in the six-hole. So that off the jump should tell you how strong this lineup is. So when you guys think about this against other lineups and what their ceiling could be, what has to click for this team to really go offensively? What's the key points, the key spots in the lineup or the key players that have to click for they, them to hit their potential, basically? I mean, you know, they had the, the second best offense in all of baseball last year, and they were top five in the year before that. So, I mean, the offense is, the offense is great. Um, but if you have to cue in on, on somebody, I think you might have to cue in on Pete Alonso. I mean, he had a, had a down year in 2020. And, you know, he's going to be counted on being that number four hitter in the lineup behind Lindor and Conforto. Uh, you know, I think, he, you know, if he bounced, I don't expect a 50 home run season from him, but, you know, I think 40, 40 is uh, certainly possible. And as long as he keeps that on base percentage from around 340, 350, I think he's going to be the, exactly the guy who the Mets need to be. Uh, you know, you have, and you'll have Dom Smith protecting him, McNeil and J.D. Davis. The lineup is legitimately one of, from one through nine. I went through eight, sorry, because they had the fucking pitcher batting. Uh, ugh. Um, one through eight, I think it's 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 probably the outside of the Dodgers, it's the best lineup in in the National League. Yeah, it's never going to come down to the offense for the Mets. It's going to be bullpen and the rotation. Yep. So, um, I mean, you know, the rotation is significantly better than it was last year. I'm not going to deny that, but there are still question marks. I mean people switching leagues, people having good years off of last year, some injury history with people like Carrasco. Do I, I mean, I'm not like, I don't want to discount the, the rotation. It is significantly better uh, than it was, but I mean, I, you know, I'm not the biggest Stroman guy out there. Um, you, you're going to have Syndergaard coming back off of Tommy John. He could bounce back. He might not, but you're probably I mean, not the biggest Syndergaard guy either. So no, no, I mean. I'm definitely not. But you know, I mean, and granted, he's he's not the number two anymore. You know, he slates. He goes down in the uh, in the in the uh, rotation, so it's not really as as big of a hit anymore. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's oh, it, it always comes down to pitching for for the Mets in the past like five years, which is so funny thinking back when when they you know, couldn't they score and the they World could only pitch. Yeah, yeah. everyone was like, as long as they make the playoffs, they're they're going to be a contender. <laughs> they have mm-hmm. The three horsemen and everything like that. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, the offense, the offense rules, I mean, there's no denying it, but I, I agree with Drew hundred percent. It comes out to Pete Alonso. If you have to pick somebody there, um, you know, it, it's, it sounds it's so far, it's like a similar trajectory to judge, right? Like he had that first crazy for uh, rookie yep. year and been a little bit less and up and downs ever since. And hopefully, you know, I, I hope everyone has success in the league is yep. if I like them. So I like Pete Alonso. <laughs> there you go. And this is his second full season, right? So if you count, yep. Right. Uh, the short season as a wipe a little bit or a little bit of a something you can't put too much weight into, you could have some great reason to look forward to Pete Alonso About this Mets lineup, here's a tidbit for you guys. Now, obviously, the MLB draft is probably the least of a sure thing than any league just because there's so many rounds 
and it takes so many, you know, steps for these guys to make it into the majors. Obviously, some of these younger guys now are jumping a few steps, and we're getting people up earlier than ever, which is awfully exciting. But it's a crapshoot a lot of times in MLB. But looking at this Mets projected lineup here, we have four first-round picks and a second-round pick to lead off the top five for the Mets projected lineup. Brandon Nimmo, 13th in the first round, 2011. Lindor, 8th in the first round, also 2011. Mike Conforto, 10th in the first round, 2014. Pete Alonso, second round, 64th pick overall in 2016. He's the lowest. And then Dominic Smith was the 11th pick in 2013. So that's just top-tier raw talent that you can argue the best baseball hasn't been played for any of them yet. Maybe you can say Lindor has had seasons that can't be topped just because you know, he's been in the league Alonzo for a while. Too. I don't think Alonzo will ever top that, but that's not. But that's to say not that about right. a guy who's only not played one full on. season is also kind of tough. Like maybe he doesn't hit sure. 50 home runs again, but can he get up to 271 year and and 370 sure. MVP? Not an indictment on him, but right. You know. But whatever. Even still, though, just the raw talent there is insane. I don't yeah. know the statistics here, but four first round draft picks, and then you know if you count McCann and J.D. Davis, who are second and third round picks, it's just flooded with talent. Mc- McNeil is the lowest drafted guy in the 12th round. And that it's just it's kind of star studded, or at least some guys who can pop up to be near level, near star level in guys like Dom Smith and Conforto, Nimmo, et cetera. And everybody's in the prime of their career. I mean, the oldest guy in the lineup is James Mc, James McCann, who's uh, thirty, he's almost thirty one years old. Everybody else is in their late to mid twenties. I mean, that's this is a lineup that's going to be good, and it's going to be good for a while. And I mean, again, and I don't, I feel like we're not talking about Francisco Lindor enough. I mean, yeah. you, get, you got rid of, you know, you got rid of one of the worst offensive shortstops in baseball, and you replaced him with one of the best, the top top three shortstops in the game, and, and instantly you're number two hitter, and and a guy who's going to bring a lot of energy into the lineup and get fans in the seats and and get the ballpark uh, filled and it's going to just be exciting to watch him play every day like I, I feel like we've we've really under undersold Francisco Lindor and his impact on the team it really is crazy it's one of those things you almost don't even we don't even know what we have yet and now there's these little rumblings with his contract extensions I think it's making Mets fans a little nervous I'm a, I'm a little nervous about it because you got to resign this guy right you just traded for him and now there's like oh he might test free agency it might be what he wants to do He's being a little bit coy about what he wants, obviously, just to play his leverage. So it's getting scary. But I cannot wait to see this guy suit up for regular season baseball. Uh, Last thing on the pitching front, we will get to DeGrom when we talk Cy Young predictions later on in the MLB-wide portion of the episode. So let's leave DeGrom out of this for right now. Who are you guys he betting a, on? He 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 had a he had 101 in spring training the other day, which <laughs> is crazy. It doesn't never, make any he sense. Never, he never threw gas. He then like the Grom threw gas, but he didn't throw gas like that and just like fucking spring training threw 101. They, cha- they changed the balls this year. They changed the balls this again year. this year. Yeah, I wonder. I think this is going to be you're going to see some inflated pitching, deflated pitching stats because of that. Because the home run run ball is going to go down this year for sure. He uh, has been consistently getting his average. Miles per hour for fastballs up four. I think it's four or five years in a row from like ninety five to ninety seven. Remember when, when New York it's like, he was like, "Are we going to resign Degrom, Degrom or not?" Oh my god, what a time! Matt Harvey, remember him? <laughs> Never heard of him. <laughs> pitching, pitching for Baltimore, him and Felix Hernandez are pitching the the great twenty fifteen pitching starting rotation. Oh my gosh, Just that's crazy! Yuck. All right, so wait, here's my question though: You have to put money on a hypothetical pick here. 
um, that the second most reliable guy in the Mets rotation. Who is the second most reliable guy if you guys had to put money on it? All right, Doc. I, I want to say Carrasco, but he's the injury bug. He's is, already going to be a big part of that. What's that? I said he's already hurt. Yeah, so I mean, like, it, it, what do you mean by that? Because when he's pitching, I think he's going to pitch very well for you guys. I mean, but, he the guy who, after DeGrom, whether he actually be number two in the rotation or is he's three or four, whatever, it doesn't matter. But, like, the guy who comes out and you say, all right, Mets have a strong chance to win tonight, like stronger than average, say. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Carrasco. If he's healthy, I, I, know, I don't know what, what the severity of his injury is right now. I think they're still it's trying to figure hamstring it out. Hamstring tear? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's something that could linger for sure. But um, I think when he's pitching, he's he's a top 10 pitcher in the NL if he, if he wants to be. I mean, this guy's alone with that guy. So I'm going Carrasco on that one. I'm going to go David Peterson. I, I really loved what he did last year, and he kind of stepped up in that Mets rotation when they didn't really have anybody else, and he kind of just took took the ball, and, and he pitched a, you know, a, a 3-4 ERA and good strikeout numbers, and um, – I didn't really walk a lot of guys, so uh, I'm uh, I'm picking David Peterson to take a continue to take the next step forward for for the Mets. But you know, Carrasco is uh, not a bad pick either. How about a sneaky Stroman? How about a little a little solid That's Stroman not- year where it's going to be and nothing about him will be sneaky because he's very much like if he's doing well, very you're going to hear about it. Yeah, he's doing well. He's going to let you know. Yeah, you're going to hear about it if he's doing well. I think there's a chance for for him to come back a little stronger this year. He's a small guy, so it's hard to to think about how he's going to hold up over the course of time. But can he reinvent himself? I, I heard there was some stuff with a year some, off. Yeah, with some new, yeah, yeah. a little healthier. I heard there's some new pitches he's getting work on. Yeah. Not exactly new pitches, also, but you variations. Have to think about too is that the the Mets offered him a qualifying offer last year, so they can't offer it to him this year. So he's going to be a free agent contract year, any, baby, without any strings attached to him. So Stroman in a contract year out and uh, yeah, it's contract year. Sign me up. So I just a, hope he doesn't hurt his fingers on when he's tweeting things all the time. That would be a shame. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he's he's very motivated. I think uh, from a, not only you know obviously he wants the team to do well, but I think he's very motivated personally to you know kind of uh, show the show that he can he can be a, a front of rotation type of guy. So I expect him to do well as well. But again, I, I think Peterson is going to be the guy for me. And uh, yeah, why shouldn't he want that, right? He should be trying to get the bag. Good for him. But last thing on the match before we do our over-under, I'm going to say these names. You're going to tell me one name who Mets fans, if they haven't seen play, are going to actually like them as a sub. Uh, Guillaume, VR, Albert Amora Jr., Kevin Pillar. Who's the guy who Mets fans are like, yeah, all right, no doubt. We got this guy in. He actually makes some sneaky plays. Who who is that guy? I think it's you gonna be go Gilmore. I think it's gonna be Gilmore, right? Or, I think he's, uh Guillaume. Uh, yeah, I, Guillaume? I I think it's him. You know, I think he's I I know he's uh he's he's got some speed, he's got to, you know, he's defensive, he makes a kind of like the highlight play, so he'll he'll come in late maybe for JD Davis on, on some games for def, for a defensive replacement. So, you know, I'm excited to see him. Um, you know, Kevin Pillar and Albert Moore Jr., they're, they're fine, you know, role players. But I think Gilmore's, you know, what he can do with the glove, I think, makes him stand out and makes – Met fans will notice him for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say Pillar, though, just because I'm a Yankee fan and I've seen him in the division for, 
for many, many years. And he always seems to get a big home run against the Yankees uh, when he needs to. So, hey, when you have a role player, you want them to come up big in big situations, right? I mean, he's from my experience, I've seen him do it against the Yankees, and that's all I can really say there. And he's, he's still pretty fast, too, for, for his age. Yeah, he's yeah. 32 now, but I can still see him playing a big role coming in for Dom Smith in left field late in games, you know? If he can sneak a home run by, he can sneak a, st- a stolen base, he can rob a home run for you. You know what I mean? Exactly. He, he's a per- he is a fantastic bench player in my opinion. He is not a you know a great starter anymore, but someone you can uh, your fourth or fifth outfielder, absolutely great player. Love it. Yeah. All right. He's he's the definition of a of a gritty white guy. Like he's, <laughs> he's, he's very gritty. Uh, on to our last thing for the Mets, and we'll get to the Yankees in just a second. Now, ninety one over under. New York Mets. Are we booking it? How are we feeling, Andrew? Me and you were on the over last year. Got burned by it a little bit. Alec was the one who came out on top of that one. How are we feeling for 2021? I think I got to take I think I got to take the over. Um I know the division's tough, but again, I think the offense is just there's there's so much there's so much room um you know, the ceiling's just so high for that offense. Uh so I I got to go with them to carry them even if the pitching you know as long as Degrom stays healthy and you know I think the offense will be able to carry you know Stroman and Walker and Peterson and Lucchese um, you know and the others to be able to make up for if they if they're not up to snuff so yeah I'll, I'll, I'll smash that over um, it's funny because that's that's how that's how the Yankees operate right I mean the Yankees yep. operate by having having offense carry the pitching when it, when, during the regular season so I want to say like I wish it was 91 and a half or 90 and a half. Cause I want to say 91 is the exact number I would guess if I just had to throw out a number and I want to say push, <laughs> but um, I'm going to say over by a game. You won't, like, you won't take the push. <laughs> I kind of want to. <laughs> can, I, how crazy where, is that? Where can we if go? I, if I, if I win two in two years in a row on that, and the, the second year is on a push, that'd be bananas. I think if we go to like Mammoth, where there's the physical sports book, we can definitely have them cook those odds up for us. The push, ninety-one wins exactly for the match. I just think I think ten bucks to win what? Such a bloodbath. Hey, I, I'm I'm with you, and that's why I can't believe I'm going to be the only one to say under for the New York Mets this year. Wow. Maybe it's an emotion. Some haters want to say it's an emotional hedge. Haters want to say that, but it, it might be very well. But I just look at everything you guys have said to this point. This division is going to eat itself from the inside out. And there may they may be three of the best teams in the NL when it comes playoff time. They might have three teams in the playoffs when it comes to that time. But it very well may be the Braves with 92, the Mets with 90, and the Nationals with 87, or any of those teams in the different slot order. So so I want to change the question. Do, do, do we think the Mets will win the division? Or not? I don't think they win the division. Mm-hmm. That, that I'm confident in saying I don't think they win the division. <sighs> I'm going to say no, too, because I think the Braves, I, when, when all this stuff came out, all of it came out with the Mets' top projected offense, the, the pitching still project, projected top 10, all this stuff, 95 from, what is that, Pectora? Pakoda, Pakoda, Pakoda said ninety-five wins for the Mets. All this stuff came out. I was like, "What? What happened to the Braves? Do they not still? Do they not have uh, Freddie Freeman, Acuna, Ozzy Albies, Azuna? Like, do they not still have all these studs? Like, they were, they were. Swanson had career year last year. Yeah, and they were. They led the pack last year, right? So why should we think that they're not going to do it again? So I'm kind of going with the, you know, innocent until proven guilty, or the inverse of that. Well, the Mets have to prove it 
And until they prove yeah. it that they're the NL East winners, I'm going to say they're they're a slight step behind. I still would bet on them to make the playoffs, but I'm saying yes. 89-90, wild card. But, and, and the thing is, too, is like we're talking about how great the Mets offense is. On paper, you look paper to paper on these two on these two uh, uh, lineups. <laughs> the the Braves are, are not a slouch. I mean, they they have offense to spare down there, and their pitching, I just think, as a whole, is better. So I, I don't think the Mets are a bad team. I think they they get a playoffs, but I think they get the, the higher uh, seating in the playoffs too in the wild card. But uh, I just I, I think it's the the Braves division to lose. Yeah, I, I I think I'll go against you two here, and I'll 100% say that the Mets will win the division again. I like the Braves. I like their offense, too. You know, Ronald Acuna and Freddie Freeman are probably the two best hitters in the division, um, unless I'm forgetting somebody. I think there's one and two right there. Juan um, Soto has something to say about it. Yeah, okay, so two and three. The two, the, the two and third best uh, hitters in the division. But outside for that, you know, five through eight right now, you have Travis Darno, Swanson, Austin Riley, and Christian Pache. Yeah, look at Darno's, Darno and Swanson's stats from last year. They did not, I mean. I yeah, guess, but Darno's back in the NL East. Can he handle it? Darno has been yeah. one of the best catchers in baseball since he left the Mets. You can't, you <laughs> and, can't and, tell and a Mets fan that. <laughs> had a career deal last year. He's, yeah, he's a guy who could steal steal twenty bases and hit twenty home runs too if he really wanted to. Ugh, for real. And, and yeah, and he's still only twenty seven, so I get it. But you know, I just like again, I really think o- Ozuna is going to take a step back this year. I don't think you know, again. I think he'll still be good, but I don't think he's going to be top three in baseball good. And you know, they do have the depth at at starting pitching, and they picked up Charlie Morton over the off season and. Um, you know, they get Soroka again, back in midseason too, don't they? Yeah. So, and it's the same thing with you know they're each going to have a, a a top pitcher coming back from injury, you know, with the Mets and the and the Braves with Syndergaard too. So, I mean, it depends on how how much you really like Ian Anderson and how much you like Max Fried. You know, that it, it, your mileage may vary. Um, so, I'm not as high on the Braves. I still I I don't think the Braves are going to be bad by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't I don't think that that uh, that the the automatic uh, winners, even though they're, they are, do have like the top tier, top tier talent. Um, but I think they're very top heavy and they don't really have the depth that the Mets have, um, in terms of bullpen, in terms of bench, in terms of, you know, again, some of the other Austin, you know, third base and center field is kind of a hole for them. Um, so uh, I'm not sold on the Braves. I said this last year too. And then the Braves maybe look dumb, but I'm picking the Mets <laughs> for the division. I love it, Andrew. Thank you for for doing what I don't have the guts to do and, and believe in the Mets. I appreciate that. I appreciate you for that. Uh, also, Andrew Kalanya at underscore Swarles Barkley on Twitter and Instagram has a preview up right now on banishedtothepen.com for the AL East. And I believe the NL East preview is coming soon. Andrew, is that correct? Yeah, coming, coming, coming tomorrow. Coming tomorrow. So by the time this episode's out, you can read Andrew's preview on the AL East and the NL East. Again, banishedtothepen.com or just follow him on Twitter. At Swar- underscore Swarles Barkley, you know where to find him, or just check Subway Sports Talk. You can find him through there too. Uh, we're gonna post it as well. So good stuff, Andrew. Good stuff on the Mets. Now it's time for the New York Yankees. With all the lack of hype on the Yankees, with all the hype on the Mets, we get to sit here today and still say Vegas expects the Yankees to, as per usual, be really, really awesome at baseball. Their over under is ninety five and a half, according to Fanduel right now. That is dumb high, and they earned it because they've been that good for this long, um, despite the playoff woes or the injury woes or whatever you want to say about them spending or not spending 
on the biggest free agents available. All that being said, 95 and a half projected wins from Vegas on the over-under front for the New York Yankees. You got to still be feeling good, despite I'm going to give this one for all the injuries the Yankees have already gotten uh, <laughs> in spring training and the ones to come. You got to still feel pretty good right now. Is that right, Andrew? I mean, wh- wh- where's the psyche of a Yankee fan right now? Because I have a hard time gauging Yankee fans maybe not overplaying the hype that may be normally arising around baseball season. So where is your head out right now as a Yankees guy? I mean, you kind of go through this every offseason where, like, if your team doesn't go out and make any kind of major move that you kind of look at the roster and you think, well, it's just the same roster that lost in the ALDS, but they're just a year older. But then you take a look at the guys one through nine and the rotation and the bullpen, and you think, like, there's so much talent here that, like, I understand why they didn't make a move i understand you know like uh, realistically who are you going to trade from that lineup you're not getting you, you resign lemay you're not getting rid of judge you're not getting rid of hicks you're not getting rid of stanton you're not getting rid of Voigt. you're not getting rid of Torres. you're not getting rid of rochella you're not getting rid of clint frazier who who is the, you <laughs> like, know, la- i'm laughing lineup, over lineup here all those guys are so good <laughs> you're talking about lineup diversification oh they need a lefty in there but they have righties that smash lefties you know so there's, there wasn't, you know, unless there was some kind of, you know, trade for Bryce Harper or somebody like that, some crazy unrealistic trade, you know, there wasn't a move to be made to, to upgrade the starting lineup on an everyday basis. And, you know, I think you look for, um, try to try to, for the bench bats to try to get a little more diversification there. So I, I'm pretty sure, you know, you have lefties on the bench and Brett Gardner and Mike Talkman, and I'm pretty sure that. You know, since they had Giro Rochella playing shortstop the other day, he's going to be the backup shortstop, and Jay Bruce is going to be making this uh, making this team at a spring training too. So you have a you know, again, I'm not big on Talkman, and you know, Gardner does what he does, and Jay Bruce is you know what he is at this stage of his career. But at least they're you know they're not just sticking with Mike Ford and Tyler Wade, you know, as their lefty bench bats. So you know they made a slight upgrade there, and. You know, again, I talked about how I'm not really so high on the rotation additions that they made. They kind of did really high ceiling, but low floor type of guys and tie on and, and Kluber. Um, but again, it, you, you still have Garrett Cole. You still have Jordan Montgomery. You still have, you know, Chapman and Green and, you know, Severino's coming back. And, you know, Britton, while he's going to be hurt, he, you know, he, he's expected to come back by June. Um, so there's still just so much talent on this team that, you know, it's very easy to see why they're projected to 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 win as many games as they're projected to at the moment. So they, they don't really they haven't really given anybody a reason to to say otherwise. Yeah, so I've done it. I'm doing mental gymnastics with the Yankees right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not super worried about the offense. It'd be hard to be worried about the offense, obviously. Um, especially with like how a lot of the players closed the season last year, or even the postseason, a lot like like Stanton players that are always question marks with high talent. I'm not worried about the offense, and I think that they, you know, it's it always comes down to injury, obviously, and, and you hope that they don't do it. But um, when it comes to the rotation, which is a big question mark, they have a lot more depth than I gave it credit for. Herman is going to end up being the fifth starter, which means that you have Debbie Garcia and Clark Schmidt. I know he's injured, but you have them waiting in the wings in case one of these people go down who are very worthy fourth or fifth options. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So you have Jamison Tyon, who's having a great spring. I know he, 
you know, didn't have the best outing today, but he's having a great spring. Jordan Montgomery that we didn't really have last year is, has a 0.89 ERA uh, for, for this spring. I mean, he looks fantastic. You know what you're going to get out of Cole and you think he's going to be a little bit better right out the gate than he was last year um, in the shortened season. Um, and, you know, at least over 162 games, it's going to benefit him. So, you know, it comes down to Kluber and, and Talion, but you have the depth to spell them, I think. So, I'm not as worried about the rotation as I was. I am still very, very, very worried about our, our bullpen. I don't think Chapman is what he what he was. I, I, I think he's lost quite a few steps over the years. I think Chad Green's getting, you know, he's due for a bad year. He goes he goes good year, bad year, good year, bad year every year, and he's looked horrible in spring. Um, Darren O'Day is good. I like Darren O'Day, but, you know, he's not a setup guy. Zach Britton's hurt. Uh, Justin Wilson's hurt. So the, the bullpen worries me, but – you know, you got to an extent you give the Yankees the benefit of the doubt there because they usually have a really good bullpen with whatever pieces they have. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I this is I, I talked about this before when you know I'm always saying that the Mets are all the question marks and they do have question marks. The Yankees have plenty of question marks, but then in thinking about it, there's not a lot of teams that don't have question marks out there, right? Mm-hmm. So you know you have to take it with a grain of salt. I'm looking at it through a Yankee fan goggle and, and, you know, a very myopic way of thinking because I only care about the Yankees when it comes to things like this, but I don't know. Uh, The problems they have aren't, aren't good problems to have. It's not like they have too much depth or anything like that, but you know, it's, these are problems that every team faces. So that being said, you go to the history on it and the Yankees are historically a very good regular season team. So it's hard to deviate on that. And I don't think that the Rays are better. Um, I think that the, the, the Orioles aren't a good team. I don't. I think the the uh, Red a Sox take. aren't the a good Orioles team. The Orioles are bad. Yeah, I don't think the Red Sox are a good team, and the Blue Jays are going to be a competitor to them, but they're not that big of a competitor. Right? Let's let's be honest here. So, yeah. I, don't, I, I I like I know I'm jumping the gun here, but it was a 95 win total. I take the over on that one. We it always, it doesn't really matter for Yankee fans if you ask us. It's all about postseason success, which is a totally different story. But if we're talking just regular season. Yeah, I'll take the over on. I'll smash it. They they usually blow by it every year. <laughs> it's ninety five and a half. Uh, I believe only behind the Dodgers, who is a hundred and three and a half. That's bananas. That's absolutely bananas. <laughs> that's so high. <laughs> Padres, especially with the Padres in that division, that's crazy. We're gonna get to that in a minute. By the way, so hold that thought on the Dodgers and Padres. I did read in a Jeff Passan article about Tyon in, in particular. So he had back to back, well, not back to back, but two Tommy John surgeries. I was not aware mm-hmm. that he had two. So he had two Tommy John surgeries, but he apparently you know restructured his delivery a little bit, and he's mm-hmm. engaging his lower half a lot more. And according to Jeff Passan, evaluators that he's talking to are saying his stuff might look even better than it did in his breakout season two years ago. So on the on the rotation front, that's not something you're going to chalk up as a definite, but something mm-hmm. that on a pretty low risk offseason signing could turn out to be. A home run could be a big splash. And I like having Cole there next to him. He's gonna he's gonna take him under his wing. He's a big they're big fans of each other. So I, yeah, they're like buddies in that. Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah, they were like best friends in Pittsburgh. And I think Tyron's got like the stuff. I think you know. I think with especially with the new delivery that you that I think walks are gonna be a problem. And I feel like you've seen that in spring training so far that we you know he struck out five guys, but he's also walked like three in three innings. So I think that's that's something to. Uh, to kind of keep an eye on. I don't think it's a capital P problem, but I think, um, you know, that's not something that you want from a starting pitcher. And I don't think Tyon's going to be, you know, throwing a ton of innings. I think if you can get, 
You know, it's, it's the same thing with Corey Kluber and Herman. I think if you can get 140, 150 quality innings out of them, I think it's a win and you can build upon them for, for next year as well. So, uh, you know, I my, wonder if my, the Yanks do a six man rotation this year. I think they kind of have to. Well, I think, you know, again, they did the same thing that every contending team did that, you know, they picked up a bunch of guys that, you know, again, you're, you're talking, no one, you, the, the, the years of, you know, you have five guys throwing 200 innings a piece that like, that's been long gone, but now I, I think we're even getting to the point where if you have, more than two guys throwing 200 innings piece. I think that's, that's super rare. Um, so I think they're going to, you know, tie on Kluber, Montgomery, German, uh, Garcia, Schmidt, King, all those guys. I think you're going to be seeing, uh, you know, eight, eight, nine starters from the Yankees this year. And I think you just to manage workload, just to manage again, build up from a, a crazy season last year. And, you know, obviously they have the postseason in mind as well. So obviously they're not rushing Severino back. Um, who we haven't really talked about at all, but he apparently he's looked really good so far. I, you know, he said he feels strong and I think he's getting on a mound soon. So, um, you know, going into the postseason, you could potentially have Garrett Cole, Luis Severino, Kluber, if he's doing, if he's still healthy and good and tie on as year one through four. And then you slide in Montgomery and Garcia and Herman, all these guys can be those additions to the bullpen come playoff time and, and not have be so reliable on Chapman and Green and um and Britain who they basically ran them into the ground in the ALDS um last year so you know basically because they had to um you know and also you have other guys like I you know I hyped up Loisaga last year and I think Loisaga I think he's going to be relied upon a lot earlier this season especially with Britain going down and Justin Wilson going down I think Loisaga is going to be one of the first guys to come in and uh, get those high leverage spots. And uh, I know you asked about uh, uh, a guy that Yankee fans wouldn't really know. So uh, there was a non-roster invitee uh, named Lucas L- Luttage, L-U-E-T-G-E. Um, you picked him up from Oakland. Um, and apparently the the Yankees did what the Yankees do is the, they add velocity in this guy and they upped his spin rate a ton. So they said they really liked him out of camp. So he might be somebody that uh, surprises um, Yankee fans, uh, you know, out of the bullpen come early in the season. He's, he's going to get those opportunities as well. Who knows? Adam Warren might be a legitimate piece in the rotation in the bullpen again. I mean, it's, yeah. it's that kind of year, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yet the, the bullpen thing is so interesting because I feel like it's always the biggest point of emphasis for the Yankees or like one of the big talking points on like talk radio, but it's almost always good, right? When was it not good? When was the last time it wasn't good? Playoffs last year. Well, we're not going to go to playoffs, but regular season, they've been wizard, wizard, like handling that, that bullpen. I think what they have to do this year is that they have a lot of players that they have to find the right role for in the rotation or in the bullpen. Right. You have a Mike King or a Loisaga, right. And they're probably not starters, but the Yankees, I think still have dreams of them being starters. And you have to, you have to make a decision whether they're going to be a bullpen piece or not. And I don't know the year of us, the, the times of swingmen really don't exist anymore either. You know, you maybe yeah. get two or three innings, but you don't have that that like Adam Warren of old, where you would have him in for three or four innings or something like that and be relied upon. So I don't know. I think Lou Isaac is a guy who doesn't have you know a ton of good pitches, but he's got enough 
for a bullpen piece. And he was, you know, he's a former top 100 prospect. So, you know, if he, if, if they want to commit to him, but that's always been the Yankees problem. And at least as long as I can remember is when they have these prospects, these pitching prospects where they don't know whether they should commit to them being a, a starter or a bullpen piece. I mean, that's usually what gets them into trouble. And I, I know that's, yeah. uh, you know, it's not like the exaggerated job of Chamberlain situation or anything like mm-hmm. that, but this has always been, I mean, you know, the Phil Hughes type players where you have to make a decision eventually and they never really do. And they just kind of waste their career away. Yeah. I think, and the thing with Loisga too, is like he's been in the Yankees system for like five years now, and he's only thrown like 240 innings, like total. <laughs> so like he's the injury, like at this point, like you're you're wasting bullets on him if you're trying to re- put him in the starting rotation. So let him air it out in the pen, being that true like one inning type of guy instead of trying to use him for multiple innings. Like just let him just let him air it out and like see what you got. Like at, at, you know, he's, he's 26. He's not like some, you know, it's still young, but he's not like it's some 22 year old kid coming out and you're trying to figure out like, it's kind of a uh, sink or swim time for Johnny lasagna. But it does Johnny. feel like that with people like him though, doesn't it? Drew? It does yeah, feel absolutely. like you don't know what to do with them. Absolutely. It's almost it like they're, they're, they're getting hurt from their versatility in a way, right? It's, it's kind of like uh, if yeah. he was clearly better at one thing, You'd be like, ah, this is easy. He's going to be a starter. Oh, he's going to be a bullpen guy. But he's kind of like decent, right? Shows signs in both in both roles. So it's kind of one of those things where it's almost. But that- you see this in the NBA too, where like you have like a Jaleel Okafor who would have been great 10 years ago or something like that. That's the type of players that these guys are, right? Like they're good for a different era. They Like the era right before this, they would have been really, really good. They would have found their role. They would have been a back of the rotation guy or a swingman or something like that. And just at this point, there's like you're either you're throwing 110 miles an hour out of the bullpen with a, a, a wipeout slider, or you can last five or six innings. And these guys fall in between that, you know? Right. Yep. Yeah. Well, let, let's switch to the offense real quick. I have a question about one player in particular who looks like he will be locked into the starting lineup. Obviously, the Yankees probably, you know, handle off days more intently than any other team in the league, or at least ones that I pay attention to a little bit. Uh, which is really only the Mets and Yankees. So, hey, it's the Yankees. Uh, but Clint Frazier comes to mind. And he's a guy of less debate than he was a year ago. I think there's more general confidence for him, obviously, as a hitter. But even his defense has come around. Alec, you were a bit more skeptical on the Clint Frazier front early. Andrew, you were more of an early adapter to what he can bring offensively. So, Alec, I'll go to you first. Have you turned the the corner on Clint yet? Are you ready to say... I want him in the lineup every damn day, impact player. Well, yeah, I mean, for two reasons. One, I'm a prototypical New Yorker, right? If you're doing bad, I'm going to get on you. And if you're you're doing well, I'm going to hype you up. He's the Julius Randle conundrum, right? But on the other hand, (laughs) what are our other options? Like, uh, you know, like if if, if, I want Brett Brett Gardner out there, (laughs) like, no, I like Brett Gardner. I think Brett Gardner has a piece on this team. At this point, you know, he's he'll he'll be a fantastic bench player. I'm fine with him riding the bench and getting in whenever he gets in to spell somebody. Um, but, you know, like more so my original point that he's doing well, he's proved the haters wrong. The haters were right. It's not like it's not like we were wrong and we misunderstood what he was doing. He played like garbage for a long time and he was a liability in the field for a long time, up and down and everything like that because of, probably because of the, the concussion and the combination of that and confidence issues. So, I mean, you know, but now he's in a place where the guy looks confident at the bat, uh, at the plate. And he's someone who, you know, if he's confident, you're gonna you're gonna want you're gonna be confident in him, right? And that that's that's what you want. So, all in on Clint, 
especially because he's going to be at the bottom of the order. It's, you know, it's, it's not like really it takes much out of us. And it's good to just uh, move on from Brett Gardner at a certain point, right? It's about damn time. And, you know, he was a gold glove finalist. And again, the, the, the stats, I, I think the reason why I was so big on Clint, you know, even though the stats, like the, the regular metrics of what you look at, uh, a player said that he was, you know, he wasn't doing well, but he still was hitting the ball extremely hard. He still had the bat speed. He still, you know, you saw flashes of, of him, you know, I think it took some humbling, you know, to be sent down to the minors. And I think that made him hungry. And I think that made him, you know, once he had some success in the majors, I think he's just like, this is what I want and I have to stay. So um, very big on Clint Frazier. I think that's, uh, that's been a well-established at this point in my podcast history. So yeah, that's a great call out though, uh, Drew. I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing with him is that, Mm he did need that, that adjustment, that wake up, that mental adjustment, that wake up call and the Yankees, you know, maybe they kind of screwed away with maybe a year and a half of his career, but they yeah. got him right. It seems like, and that seems like the type of thing that needed to happen for him to realize his potential. So yeah. I, I think that, you know, it, like I said, he wasn't always very good, but you know, he, he got to where he needed to be. Yankees handled them. Evidently it, it worked out well. And, and he, he has the right frame of mind to be in the MLB right now. Yeah, and speaking speaking of players like that, you know, I, I you know, I don't want to, I don't want to get ahead of him and put too much. I, I, into, I have a into, feeling into, that you're into, gonna into spring training stats, but I, I think Gary Sanchez is on a on a similar path here. Um, you know, he's looked he looked hungry. He's looked hungry in spring training. He's hitting the hitting the snot of the ball, hitting it over the batter's eye. You know, he he looks like he's doing well defensively. He's throwing out runners. He's kind of got a little bit of his. A swag back so uh i'm expecting big things from from gary sanchez this year uh not gonna lie and well, talk about put up or shut up it, it, that's the year for gary sanchez too i mean you know the yankees have given him enough leeway for listen i i am always of the belief that even if he you know he doesn't replicate what he did early on in his career it's a catcher you take whatever offensive potential you can get out of a catcher and you leave them on the field right and yeah. and as long as they're not a gigantic liability on defense, which he has been at certain points in his career. <laughs> yes. um, uh, you, you leave him out there because it's always the potential of him smacking a three-run home run, right? So, exactly. I, I, and, and you're talking about you're not talking just about like a good hitter. So we're talking if you're talking about slugging percentage, number of all time, all-time catchers with at least a thousand plate appearances. Uh, does anybody want to guess who number one is? Um, it's it, not Gary Sanchez. It's Mike Piazza. Guess who number one is? Not Mike, P- not Mike Piazza? It is Mike Piazza. Oh, there you go. It's oh. Mike Piazza's number one. Gary Sanchez is number two. Oh. Even with time, even with the abysmal seasons he's had the past two years. Exactly. You're talking about slugging percentage. You're talking about an all-time great offensive catcher. That's not something, you know, I, he was awful last year. And his comments of, I didn't know why I got benched in the playoffs. Like, come on. That was dumb. But, like, that's that's not somebody you just trade away and you give up on when he has that kind of offensive, uh, you know, ceiling. And, you know, when you get, I, I think there's also the case of, you know, robot umpires coming soon. So catcher framing is not going to be a big thing. So he can, you know, he's kind of been doing this thing where he's worked on his framing, but then his blocking has gone bad. And then when he started working on his blocking, his framing took a dip. So I think if you can find that happy medium between, you know, being able to block the ball and frame the ball. Cause he's always been able to throw out runners and, you know, he's been above average. His arms, uh, he has a cannon for an arm, 
you know, as long as he can do the little things and he can make improvements and you can kind of see where he's going. Like, again, he's still, you know, he's 28 years old. He's in the prime of his career. So, you know, it's, and he's going to be a free agent after 2022, along with judge, you know, this is kind of the time to say, is this the guy who we're going to invest money in? Or is this somebody we're going to have to go in another direction in two years? So um, it's kind well, of, they did, a... they did draft uh, with the first overall pick a catcher th- this year, right? I think, I think so. But again, yeah. you're, you're talking, you're talking three, four years away. So, you know, if, if everything Austin Wells, uh, that was the, that was the yep, guy. Yep. I think he did pretty well in spring training too. And, you know, but you know, Gary's got a, he's going to, I think he's really going to come into his own this year. And again, I think everyone kind of had, when he came up in 2016, he hit the 20 home runs and, you know, in 55 games or whatever. I think that really sets an unrealistic uh, bar for him. You know, you know, I, I don't think he was ever going to be like the best player in baseball, but I think there's a very good chance he could be the best catcher in baseball. Um, so I think you could take, I think you should take that as a, as a win as it can. I, I, I don't think you could ever be uh, disappointed that he didn't turn into Mike Trout or, or pick <laughs> or Fernando Tatis Jr. or Juan Soto, pick your, pick your best player in baseball, you know, but I think he, he has that potential and I think he's going to, he's going to uh, do good on it uh, in 2021. Here we go. Just think, thinking about it, I, I, I don't. I, I'm not pulling up the stats right now, nor nor do I care to do it. But <laughs> did his offensive dip really start to happen once once Boone got here, or was it still while Girardi was here? Uh, he had he was hurt in he he did great. He had a great 2017. He got hurt in 2018, rebounded in 2019, and then obviously he was what he was in 2020. Um, I wonder if I wonder if maybe Girardi had something going with him. I mean, he's a former catcher. Yeah, but didn't catcher. Girardi also not like him? Yeah, I think Girardi, him and Girardi, like didn't uh, didn't see eye to eye. I think that's part of the reason why they got rid of Girardi uh, is because he wasn't relating well to the younger players. Um, you know, but he's still, he's, he's still he's still gotten the team farther than Aaron Boone's gotten them. Uh, so there there is that. To Alex's point, though. There is the the thing with players and coaches getting along versus not. Sometimes, you know, you have to chalk it up to Girardi was probably right in that situation. Yeah. So even if Gary yeah. Sanchez loathed uh, Girardi, he might have been being put in better positions to succeed. Uh, if you know, if if you want to even chalk it up to a manager having that much say, I think it is actually a good thought exercise. There is like maybe Sanchez was pissed at the way Girardi did stuff for him, mm-hmm. but maybe it was, it was better. Better off for his development. Yeah, maybe it was better. So we'll see what happens with Gary Sanchez, man. I hope he does well because when that guy is connecting, there's not many prettier home runs hit or monstrous home runs hit than when Gary Sanchez unleashes. So one more guy I have a question on. Um, I think I know the answer, but I feel like it's a good question to ask anyway to end up before we do our over-under for the Yankees here. Glaber Torres, you know, he was a guy who we talked about on this podcast last year as an MVP candidate, right? He was absolutely insane the year before that. Last year in the shortened season was not that guy exactly, right? Do we feel fully confident to chalk labor in as an all-star stud, great shortstop? Because I know he had issues fielding. His hitting wasn't up to snuff last year, but he feels like a guy we should still be really confident in, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I'm just making um, sure. Think, it's just I something he, that I, I wanted think, to get out. It's like obvious, but it feels necessary. I think he's admitted that, you know, 
when he was in shape when he came into spring training last year. And then once they did the shutdown, he basically, he didn't work out at all. So he, when he came back into the second uh, abbreviated camp, he was playing catch up on trying to get back into uh, baseball shape. So I think, you know, if you look, take a look at his numbers from like uh, September on, you know, he was great. And he was, he was gangbusters in the postseason. If you take a look at his postseason numbers, he is uh he is one of the, one of the guys you absolutely want in the Yankees lineup um, at coming to the back. So last year uh, in the, in the ALDS, he hit 435, 567, 696 for a slugging percentage of a WRC plus of 246 where a hundred is average. Um, so he was, he was, he was great in the postseason. He has a, he has a great line. Um, so I'm expecting big things from, from Glaber Torres in, in this year. And, you know, as long as he's able to make the routine plays at shortstop, um, you know, he's, he's always been able to make the, the great plays, but I think maybe it's a lack of focus or, you know, but I think it's been pointed out to him too, that, you know, that it was a problem and something that he can, uh, he can address and, and go for. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm big on Glaber. That's and, uh, this year. Yeah, I think, I think you should be. And I think Alec probably agrees with that sentiment. So let's keep this thing moving here. 95 and a half. I have one more odds thing to talk about with the Yankees before we do. I mean, after we do the over under, so let's not forget that Alec already said, lock the over for 95 and a half. Andrew, do you agree? Absolutely. I'm going to agree too. And that's why this question is more interesting to me. I think the Yankees offense is sick. The pitching might be better than we thought. We'll see how it goes, but 96-97 feels good for them either way. Um, here's the question. They're currently minus 220 to win the AL East. That's obviously a little bit of a tough uh, tough odds to lay there, but I think that could even be a higher number. When I opened up the odds for AL East, I almost expected the Yankees to be like minus 350 or something like that. Would you lay 220 to win 100? What like Would you find that as a worthwhile investment where you think it's sure enough of a thing that you're going to walk away with a hundred dollars win? Or is there a team there that kind of scares you a little bit where maybe the Yankees, you know, still end up in the playoffs, but not on top of the division. Like where do you land on minus two twenty, basically Alec? So my whole thing with last year is that there's going to be a lot of over and under indexing on a 60 game season. Talent's always going to win out. That That's how I feel. And the Rays were a team that benefited from a short season because they had the small moves to work with, right? They had the, those 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 creative moves to work with with the personnel that they had. In a 162-game season, with the, the way that the Yankees have their team situated and with the way that the Rays have their team situated, I think the Yankees are like a no-doubter to win the division. Um, that being said, I mean, you know, it, it's it's still going to be tough. I don't I don't think that any team in, in the East is going to be a pushover. Even the, the bad ones like the Orioles and the, uh, and the Red Sox, they, 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 you know, these teams know each other very well and, and they can, they can do things to each other. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I just, I, I just, uh, <laughs> I think that, it, it, you know, people that are worried about how last season went down is hard to, you know, it's, it's a microcosm and a time capsule of 2020 and it's hard to put any stock into it. And talent's always going to win out at the end of the day, in a 162 game season. I think that's how that works. Yeah. I, I hundred, I 100% agree. I, I'd feel very confident on the Yankees winning the AL East. I think Tampa took a real step back. Again, you replaced Charlie Morton and Blake Snell with, uh, 
Chris Archer and Michael Waka. And I don't care that the Rays, like, some have a pitching voodoo, but, like, no one comes back, in Archer's case, no one comes back from thoracic outlet syndrome. Like, he's not, the, even if, you know, he'll maybe he'll go to, like, the bullpen or something, but, like, Michael Waka's not a good pitcher. The, you know, Chris Archer, the That's stage is not a good pitcher. And the, <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's true, though. It's, it's I mean, true, right? You know, so like I, I, they they took a step back. And for for whatever reason, you know, you come two wins with away from winning the World Series. And, OK, this is the time we give away depth in order to save money. Like, fuck the Rays forever. And <laughs> I hate that like every every analytically like inclined Facebook group, like like the second they do something, it's it, it's it's basically a meme. Like whenever they make a trade, I think it was um, Jeff Sullivan from X fan graphs or, or it might have been Sam Miller of X of ESPN. It's the, the meme of who who's the Rays get. Uh, I love this trade for the Rays. Who'd they get? Like, uh, it's just automatic. Right. Like, everyone just, yeah. everyone just assumes that the Rays, like they know what they're doing, like fuck them forever. So like, I, I can't, I can't stand that shit. Like you're, you, you could be good. You're allowed to spend money. Like you're, you're, it's, it's totally allowed in like, especially with the Marlins doing what they did last year, going all exactly. in, you know? Yeah. So, you know, it, it, and I think if there's obviously there's one team that's going to give the Yankees the most trouble, I think it's going to be the Blue Jays um you know again they have a young core of players they added springer um and marcus simeon so they they added some bets to that lineup so that lineup's very scary but again they don't really have starting pitching depth outside of of uh hunjin ryu and he has his own injury issues as well and i think the red sox are improved as well you know they added in kiki hernandez and hunter renfro and marwin gonzalez and just increasing their margins a little bit but again they have starting pitching issues and, you know, their big addition was Garrett Richards and he sucks. And, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, I love this. Drew, you, that's coming will, out right now. You will see, you know, that Adam Montevito trade coming to bite the Yankees back in the ass. Oh, it, absolutely. Because, you know, Adam Montevino sucks against lefties, but you know who he gets out? Righties. Like really, <laughs> really the well. Yankees had a couple of righties in the lineup. Yeah. It's, it's the entire lineup is, is right-handed hitters. Like you're hundred percent. Like the Yankees are going to be down by a run in like the eighth inning with like runners on the corners and nobody out and Adam Adovino is going to come in and strike out the side. And like, it's going to be, it's going to be front page on the the post. Like it's going to be just be pain. (laughs) I'm already, I'm already signed up for it. So not um, not that it's like news, but like, and like, like that this was like shocking or anything like that, but the jury's obviously out on the Yankees, but like, you look what the Rays did to them in the playoffs. You just, you you put out pitchers out there that throw 102 miles an hour. They can get righties out. And, and, that's what worries me a little bit about the division in and of itself. Like, you know, when you see teams 18 times a year, that kind of stuff can bite you in the ass, especially with the Rays. I don't really worry as much about the Blue Jays. Like, they'll, they'll win some games against the Yankees, but mm-hmm. the Rays will always worry me because of just – they have the personnel to to play against anyone when they need to in the way that they want to play you. Um, and, like, I don't think they're in the division, but they'll steal plenty of annoying wins out of the Yankees this year, I think. Do you, th- do you think Randy Orozarena is as good as he was in Garbage. the postseason? Or do, nope. or do you think – Garbage. Do you think he just comes comes back down to earth here? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I said uh, – Garbage is probably – I don't know what the hell to think of him because he's – you know, he, it's a freak season. You have to remember that. Like, this guy yeah. was not the number one prospect overall. He came onto the scene – he could be a flash in the pan. Who knows? He could be decent. Like, I, but I just don't see anything. Everyone was shocked when he was as good as he was last year. Mm-hmm. When everyone's shocked, 
it's probably going to come down to earth. Like even if you, when you have Pete Alonso or Aaron Judge, like those are top prospects that came up into into the league, and everyone had big thoughts of them. Nobody expected that, but to, you know, to, even Gary Sanchez too. When you have these big burst seasons right away, but mm-hmm. Randy Orozarena is a nobody, and and usually those type of people come down to earth the next year. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. I'm well, that'll sure. be something interesting to watch. And the other young hitters, I mean, mostly on the Blue Jays, I guess, right? Uh, Vlad, Bobachet, like those guys are studs. Uh, is there any juice with the the Red Sox lineup here? Ch- Michael Chavez, Ch- Ch- what do you say his name? Is it just Chavez? Yeah, Chavez. Uh, Chavez. Um, they they got rid of Benintendi this uh, this offseason too. Does he yeah. matter? Is he good? I feel like he's not good. I I feel like he always hurt the Yankees though. Mm. Yeah, it's see that's that's a that's a thing. Uh, it's always like you, whenever the Yankees and Red Sox play, there's always like a couple of guys like when Kevin Cash was like the backup catcher for the Red Sox. He <laughs> always fucking it's and the game was always on Fox for some explicable uh, reason. Here comes and he Joe Buck's always Lander. came in and he always got a big hit against like the Yankees like constantly. It was so annoying and I hate his guts. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well that's great stuff. We're all in the over for the Yankees. We're all feeling real good about them winning the AL East. That's awesome. Uh, here comes the next part of this whole discussion here. We're already pretty long, so we'll move through the MLB wide stuff rather quickly here, but there's still some great topics for us to talk about, some great prop bets for us to talk about. Uh, and let's start off with the World Series odds, and that'll lead me to my next point. So World Series odds right now, the favorite is the Los Angeles Dodgers to repeat at plus 350. Second is the aforementioned New York Yankees plus 550, followed by... The Padres at 800, White Sox plus 850, and the Braves and Mets rounding out those top five or six teams at plus 1,000 each. So is there a value there? I'll also say Twins plus 1,800, Cardinals 2,200, Blue Jays 2,200. Is there like an extreme value play there, or are you guys riding favorites? Um, I'm, for me, it's always uh, defending champion versus the field. Uh, and I always take the field because there's no repeat winners in, in, in baseball since Super the Yankees did it in 2000. So I'm not taking the Dodgers. Um, I, I I would say if I was picking against my heart, which believe it or not, like my, my brain would tell me to pick the Yankees, but my heart tells me I've been burned too many times. So I can't really <laughs> in good conscience say that. I would say the Yankees uh, would probably be the real favorites to win. Um, but, you know, I could never just say that as a Yankee fan. So I don't know. I think that this is a weird, weird year. Like I keep saying, and I would I I don't think the Twins are very good. I don't think the White Sox are as good as they were last year. I don't think the Padres were as good as they were last year. And I know they added players, obviously, but I think that you don't take young teams in the playoffs to win a World Series. Just very rarely does that actually ever work out for you. Um, I can see. I guess my AL pick would be the Yankees, and my NL pick would be the 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 Braves. Yeah, I I. I definitely see that and again i'm i'm really i'm not big on the white Sox whatsoever um you know again they did add pieces but i i really don't like you know their lineup as much as everybody else does again they don't have guys that can that can walk so you're you're really dependent on batting average and uh hitting runs and stuff and maybe tony la Russa can you know turn it around and and whatever tony so I, i'm not really big on the white Sox. so but you know i think Again, I, I don't want us to be like a Yankee fan and say like the, the Yankees. No, nah, let it fly. Who cares? Heck the haters. If yeah. you guys think the Yankees yeah. are the best team, 
best uh, do, best best play I to do, win the World I Series. Do, play it. I think the Dodgers and the Padres are gonna beat the shit out of each other for you know the regular season and into the playoffs. Um, and you know, again, the, the a bunch of AL teams took steps back. Again, the the Indians traded away Lindor, the Rays traded away guys. So like the AL is a much weaker. Um, league than the National League is at the moment. So the Yankees have a much easier route to the World Series. I mean, you still have to get by the Astros. You still have to, you know, get by the Rays if they end up making it. But again, uh, you know, the Astros have taken a step back. Uh, they didn't and, really. And also, with when it comes to the Central, just to jump in here, I, I, yeah. we looked at how how they do in the playoffs last year. Everyone in the Central was garbage in the playoffs yep. because they were all fighting against each other, and it was a dog shit division. And they all just inflated their stats because of it, right? Beating up on like yep. the, the Royals and everything like that. So um, that's something to consider too. Like I, I, the only pitcher that I think is actually legitimately very good in the Cy Young candidate is Lucas Giolito on on, on the White Sox. Everyone yeah. else. I would not be surprised if they had garbage years, right? And and mm. the Twins are the same way. Great offense, you know, skeptical on, on their pitching. That division is garbage and will continue to be garbage. I don't care what their record looks like at the end of the year. That's a garbage division. Yeah. So that leads me, you know, how do you guys feel about a plus 3,500 play on the Los Angeles Angels? <laughs> I know what you're doing. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. Regroup, regroup. I think, I w- all I will say about the Angels is that if this this has to be, I think if there's a year, Abort. if there if there is a year in which the the Angels can sneak into the playoff as a second wild card team, I think this is the year to do it. They got you know they they actually made some decent additions in the offseason by bringing in. Quintana and Alex Cobb and training for Rossiel Iglesias out of the bullpen. And, um, you know, uh, I, I think that if, if this is going to be the year that they sneak into the playoffs, uh, I, I think this is, I think this is it for them. Cause again, especially Could you the imagine having two generational talents in Shohei Otani and Mike Trout and saying, maybe they could sneak into the playoffs <laughs> as the second wild card team. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. I'm not having this conversation. I'm done. I said what I had to say. I was going to explode. I was on mute. Uh, I muted myself so I couldn't say this, but it's a ridiculous conversation. All right. For those listening who don't exactly know why there's a different uh, air in the room during this Angels conversation, is this has been going on for a year or two now, where Alec actively tries to tear down Mike Trout and his awesomeness, and Andrew and I try to accept his awesomeness. Uh, Shohei Otani. Obviously, one of those guys who it's like, yes, he's freaking awesome. It hasn't meant anything yet. Rendon is on the Angels now as well. You didn't even mention him as, you know, he's not generational talent, but he's been that level player recently. So the reason for that is (laughs) Alex's hatred of the Mike Trout love. You know, it's not even that you hate Mike Trout. You hate the adoration that he receives for not accomplishing anything. Mike Trout is a very good player. He cannot be considered the greatest player of all time, the way he is considered currently, where everyone is on their knees around uh, around Mike Trout bowing to him. That's what bothers me. If you're that good, you should get into the playoffs. You should have a playoff win this at this point in your career. And then we all say, yes, but baseball is a different game. If he was in a lineup like anyone on the Yankees or the Twins, and then all of a sudden they're the best offense in league history and – they're in the playoffs, and it's a different conversation. It's not I'm like not basketball. Not it's not like player. quarterbacks. He is a good it's player. different. He is a good player. He has he's an to, awesome player. He's Say enough. it. 
He's a very good player. He's awesome. He's Say he's awesome. No, he's not awesome. Oh. He's awesome. I think he's a very I think he's a very good player. I'd be happy to have him on my team. Oh, that you'd be happy to have like him. Sixth and ninth. You'd be sixth happy. Sixth and ninth would, would be would be good. Nice, 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 nice. Okay, move on, move on, move on. Here we go. Other LA or California teams that are actually very interesting. I want to just mention this to you guys. I read a really, really good article from Zach Cram on The Ringer. Um, and the the title of the article is a bit triggering to New Yorkers and to Yankee fans and Red Sox specifically probably. But it says, Dodgers Padres is poised to become the MLB's next Yankees-Red Sox rivalry. And I saw Alex Irol's eyes roll in the Zoom as I said the title to that article. But I went through his article and I actually read it why he made the comparisons. You know, he likened um, the Red Sox to the Padres and the Dodgers to the Yankees. We've already made the Dodgers-Yankees comparisons on this podcast, so that's going to be a tough one for us to uh, dispute. The Padres thing was, you know, getting basically somebody like Manny Machado, who is more similar to Manny Ramirez in free agency, then also making a trade that almost seemed irrelevant, but then turned into an amazing situation for David Ortiz, a la... Fernando Tatis. So there's the two cornerstones there. There's a bunch of other parallels with payroll increasing for the Padres and whatnot. Alec is hating every minute of this conversation, but I have 150 years of history together. And then you could be the next Yankees and Red Sox. That's, that's the end of the story right there. That's fair. Yeah, but you know, the article was framing it as this is the beginning of what can become something awesome. Right. And I think that is fair. So what can this rivalry become? Cause to this point, it wasn't a rivalry. And the Do- I think yeah. I actually saw something Dodger in the article. He said Dodgers fans voted the Padres as like their fifth most hated team, and the Padres voted the Dodgers number one. So that tells you everything you need to know about the disconnect. But the disconnect is getting closer, right? So it's becoming a closer rivalry here. Can we see fireworks in California this year? Because they're they play each other more well, than anyone it, else. It, is it going to be electric? It, what what are we going to see here? Well, it's, it, this this yeah this year for sure. But I think. A rivalry for for to get on Yankees Red Sox level that the 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 continued rebuild of the San Diego Padres has to go well, like they can be you know, you can have high expectations this year, but if you don't continue to build on that, if you don't continue to 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 do well, you know, like everyone thought like the the Cubs were going to be the next great super team after they won the World Series and then they fizzled out like two years afterwards. So like it's very it's a lot easier, it's a lot harder. Uh, a lot easier said than done um, to to build a sustainable winner in in baseball. So um, I'm not again the the potential is there, but I, I honestly it doesn't doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I know the Dodgers are going to do very well because they have that payroll and they're able to churn out all these uh, prospects. So I I count on the Dodgers being consistently good, but I don't I, I have to see it to believe from the Padres uh, going forward, and that that might be. That might get me some scrutiny from uh, from people on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, just you know how I know it's not the same thing because they're talking about it a year into the the Padres being good. I mean, yeah. they're, they're not even like the top what do you ten sports rivalry even budding right now. I mean, I, yeah. it's it's not a big deal. Yeah, well, I name mean, nine um, better ones right now. Go. I can name <laughs> it's in all of sports. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Don't no. do it. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's it's just. It's it's farcical, and um, 
you know, the Padres have have shown nothing in history. It's like it's like the Knicks saying that the Knicks and the Celtics are rivals. Right. We might think the Celtics are our rivals. They don't think about us at all. You know, it's like that meme. I don't mm-hmm. think about you at all. That's what's going on right now. It wasn't so there I, I a period of time in the '90s when the Yankees were freaking awesome, and then the Red Sox were irrelevant. They hadn't won in hundred years or whatever, and then all of a sudden in the early mid 2000s, Red Sox kind of turned the page, get some of these stars in, become legit, and then have a better run than the Yankees for the next 15 years. And tell me something: is there a rivalry between the Yankees and the Braves? You ask a Yankee fan, no. You ask a Brave fan, I'm sure that the people so you're, that were around in the 90s, I'm sure they hate the Yankees to, to this day, right? So you're not even saying that's, that's anything what, about, the. you're saying the Dodgers are doing their part and talk to me in two years if the Padres are still even remotely yes. this good. Yes, yeah. exactly. That was that was my Fair. point. There, there are some really cool parallels that Zach Cram made in the article. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, One in particular that was kind of interesting. There's only uh, five other seasons or six other seasons before last year where two teams in the same division had the highest uh, projected win totals from Pythagorean theorem. It was like in the eighties twice with the, whatever. It doesn't even really matter, but the Yankees and Red Sox never only had that once in 2007 Dodgers and Padres were the sixth team to do it uh, ever in baseball history. So that's, that's something to start the conversation with, but you guys are right. You guys are not right. everything has to be compared to each other. They, it can be their own thing. You're right. Because that's yeah. a fun rivalry to watch. For sure. And that'll be one of those West Coast games where, you know, am I watching West Coast baseball very often? That's not the Mets or Yankees? No. But if I'm up but, on a Tuesday, absolutely. Wednesday, Thursday, and they're playing, hey, let's see if Fernando Tatis is doing anything cool today. That, that should be fun. Mookie Betts. Hell yeah. All right. Moving on. Let's go to um, some player prop totals that we always have fun with. First and foremost, let's start with the MVP. We we're just talking National League. Uh, let's let's all be shocked here for a second. Fernando Tatis and Mookie Betts, two of the top three MVP odds. So we we're just talking Padres, Dodgers. There you go. Jammed in there is Juan Soto and Ronald Acuna. They're all set plus seven hundred or plus seven fifty. So they're all right there. Followed by Cody Bellinger, Francesco uh, Francisco Lindor at plus twelve hundred, Harper plus fifteen hundred, Yelich, Seager also plus fifteen hundred. There's obviously a bunch more names to get some of the Mets in. We got Pete Alonzo at plus 3,500. Just a few more names down the list. And Jacob deGrom, you never know, MVP. What? Plus 5,000. How do you guys feel about the MVP race in the NL right now? Always comes out to storylines, buddy. Always comes out to storylines. So uh, because of that, I, I'm not going to pick one of the young guys. I, I don't think that the media is in their favor, whether their talent is there or not. Going Bryce Harper because I think that would be a fun storyline to follow mm. for uh, for him to do it in, in, in Philly. He's due. Uh, I mean, it's easy to say, um, you know, Tatis or one of those guys, but um, I think, you know, nobody's going to be talking about him because he's kind of the lone wolf on the team. I think Trevor Story has a, you know, he's going to be a free agent uh, after this year too. And I think he's obviously he's going to get traded away. That's so a really good tra- one if he gets traded away to uh, an NL team, but I mean, he's obviously been uh, a top, top two shortstop one or two with him and Lindor uh, shortstops in the league for, you know, for many, many, many years. So I think Trevor story, um, you know, if he, if he stays in the NL, I think he has a, has a good shot as anybody to, uh, to get MVP votes uh, this year on, on a really bad, bad and terrible Colorado team. I don't know if you guys read that article, I guess uh, from the athletic talking about how, uh, 
the the Rockies were trying to cut back so much on um, on on I guess on their budget they they didn't pay clubhouse attendance in 2020 so they had their analytical staff uh, work work the clubhouse and, and um, so they had their regular nine to five job and then they would go down the he went what and then like go get go get Nolan Arenado like chewing tobacco and stuff after they were done doing like analytics for the Rockies. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. That that is absolutely (laughs) insane. I did not know that was true. And they're shining shoes and shit and like doing laundry. Like it's, it's insane. Like you should, like they, they should force them to, to sell the, the Rockies, whoever owns them. Like it's, this is just a comically like inept at this point. I'm going to hire an intern for subway sports talk to go get me dip. Um, but on that front though, by the way, to reel it back in for a second, Trevor story plus 3,300, some good odds there might have to lay a shekel out on uh, both of your, uh, advice there. Bryce Harper plus 1500, Trevor story plus 3,300 good odds there. If you're going to go with one of the top guys for my money, it's Juan Soto. If he didn't Mm -hmm. have a shortened year last year, he was the MVP in my opinion. If he had the, the games played, I think he out notches Freddie Freeman a touch. I'm, I'm surprised Freddie Freeman even won it. Because Acuna came on so high, I thought he could have eaten into storyline. some of those votes. And Tatis had the storyline for the whole yeah, first half of the year. Never getting it before was the was the storyline. Him having deserved it. It's so true. It, it'll be his Martin Scorsese award eventually. Uh, that the, the, the other guys will get it, but I mean, you know, this, that was Freddie Freeman's to get. Yeah, so I'm going. I'm going Soto on the top tier guys plus seven hundred. Still nice odds right there. I'm I'm gonna Meh. put my money on that guy. And then if you're looking at a like long shot dude. It's kind of hard to to really pick through all those dudes, but if you think about who could be one of the best teams in in the NL, we have to talk about the Mets. And I'm gonna say a sneaky guy who I just didn't expect to be this high on the list, Michael Conforto, plus four thousand uh, on the MVP odds. That's mm-hmm. that's a uh, like fifteenth highest in the NL. So he's in that range where Vegas is like, all right. We're not going to give him plus 10,000 because who knows? We're going to get burned if it does. He's in that realm. And if he has numbers and the Mets are a 94-win team, there's a great chance he can be that dude. But obviously Lindor being there hurts that that chance as well. Yeah. Um, on to the AL MVP. They're talking about, you know, they're talking about extending, uh, you know, Conforto as well. So I think, he, you know, I think the, the Mets are a big, big believer in him. As much as the as much as the fans are, so uh, that's that that's a pretty good pick there, Pete. Yeah, I I, I, I like it. What is Degrom's odds? Plus five thousand for for MVP, not for I Cy Young. I, I he's not going to win it. That, but that's the storyline too. Is that there's been plenty of times where we 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 said that uh, Degrom could have won an MVP. Will he be the, the the first pitcher to do it in, in some time? You know, like that. That could be a storyline too. It could be. I just it's too it's too hard. It's too hard to like really bank on something like it's that. It's almost like it's a five thousand to one. Uh, <laughs> Some would say. <laughs> Good point. Uh, on to AL MVP. We have a far and wide leader, Mike Trout, plus two twenty, plus two twenty. Why would you ever bet on Mike Trout to win MVP, other than the fact that he wins it all the time? But that's crap odds for MVP. Plus two twenty. That's what like. Mm-hmm. Uh, NBA guys are like Joel Embiid was plus two twenty when he was the leader halfway through the season. Plus two twenty before the season is crazy. But second, we have Aaron Judge and Alex Bregman plus twelve hundred, followed by Jose Ramirez, who confirmed remembered how to play baseball last year, plus fifteen hundred. Uh, Rendon 
Chapman, LeMayhew, Eloy Jimenez, Glaber Torres. Those guys keep moving it forward. Obviously, some other names. Who do you guys like in the AL? I like Judge. I mean, I, I, he was my pick last year, too. Um, One year away, baby. Yeah. So if, uh, you know, he said he's doing yoga this offseason to try. And, and I guess, you know, when the, Yankees brought, when, they, when the Yankees brought in their new training staff, I guess they didn't bring them in until, like, February or March of last year. Um, so, like, they didn't really get a chance to, which I, I don't know, understand how they do that. They fire them in, in you know, in November. Uh, you lose Drew. Looks like we lost him there for a second. If he pops back in, we'll 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 get that thought. Um, you don't I, bring in a new oh, training staff until like. Oh, it got real fast there. Whoa, you're good. No, let's uh, yeah, let's just good. cut that real no. quick. We'll, we'll just cut that real we, quick. We can add this. So I I pick Judge if he if he's able to stay healthy. Um, you know, with his new off season training regimen, I think you know there's not a better player in the American league outside of, of Mike Trout and Aaron judge. So I think this is, this will probably be easier to, to get that MVP. My turn. I'm going with Giancarlo Stan. Mm. The biggest G state hater that there is uh, out here is me. And uh, I don't know. I, I think he's finally used in New York. I think that uh, if he stays healthy and if we're talking about that, I, I don't know. I think he's got more talent than judge at the end of the day. I mean, that's evidenced by his career. It's all about injuries with them, and and if they're you know if they're both playing the entire season, I would have to choose G. So I don't know; it's a big if for both of them, obviously. But the AL is so wide open mm-hmm. right now, and and it's it's hard to you know take a guy like like the fish guy in, in Los Angeles who's not going to make the playoffs. Um, so <laughs> the fish I'm guy. going with Stanton. I think <laughs> I think he's a uh, I, I think Stanton's going to have a big big time year. I think he's they think he's figured it out and. Uh, I don't know. I'm just really hopeful on him, and we'll see how that goes for there. Yeah, but I, I'm build, really big on building this off year. of uh, that. Building off his ridiculous postseason. Uh, yeah, you know, basically carrying the Yankees in the in the wild card and the division round. Like he's the, he's the reason why they got to a got to a game five versus yep. Tampa to begin with. So that's a that's a good pick. That's a better than Marin Judge pick. I uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna one up both of your guys. Thanks, picks. Man, I appreciate it. We're talking storyline, taking words right out of Alex's mouth here. Storylines in baseball right now. Respect for DJ LeMahieu. He's been getting like it, it more and more every year with the Yankees. No, this guy's not just a solid player. He's an amazing player. He's awesome. He deserves to be in the MVP talk. He got just into the MVP talk. And then you think about what type of players win MVPs. Well, when Mike Trout wins, it's not usually for good teams. But a lot of times, it's great players on great teams. You think about who's going to be great in the American League, it's going to be the Yankees. And when end of the day, if I had to put my money on it, plus 2200 DJ LeMahieu will be the best player on the Yankees again, winning his first MVP award where he gets moved into an echelon of not an amazing, solid, really sound baseball player. Nah, he's freaking awesome. And Yankee fans know it. The whole world has to know it now. Book it. I think, I think these are all good picks, fellas. There we go. If we're going to go non-Yankees, I'm going to go with uh, Randy Arozarena at plus 5,000. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I don't hate Bregman. Yeah. And if there were, if there was an MVP of like the, the combined 2019 and 2020 season, I a hundred percent is DJ LeMahieu. You know, if you, you know, he was just outside of the conversation in 2019 and then he was in that conversation in 2020 and the two other guys that, that were in it weren't really in the conversation in, in either of those years. So if you pick a combined MVP, it's DJ. So that's, I don't hate that pick, but outside of, 
outside of the Yankees, um, you know, I, you know, if you're not going trout, I think Rendon's a pretty good pick. Um, I would, I wouldn't pick anybody on Chicago, even though, you know, I don't think Jose Abreu should have won last year I agree. either. And he won't uh, repeat. Those, he won't. That's yeah. just not going to happen. No. Um, yeah. Let's move on because we're getting a little long winded here. So let's start to finish mm-hmm. up these props. And uh, so we can all go to bed. Let's go to AL Cy Young. Let's just not say Garrett Cole. He's plus 330. We're just, for the sake of conversation here, we're not going to say Garrett Cole. The other guys. Same anyway. Oh, sure. So the uh, repeat winner would be Shane Bieber, also plus 330. After that, Lucas Giolito, Tyler Glasnow, Hinjun Rue, Lance Lynn, Berrios, Kenta Maeda, Kluber. What names pop up to mind for you guys? And uh, maybe who's the value play? Yeah, so first of all, there's plenty of names on there that I think are ridiculous, like that that Vegas is even giving odds. Like Lance Lynn is is not gonna have a good like a good enough year to win a Cy Young this year. There's no way. Over over 162 games, no shot. Um, I think it's Giolito. I think it's his it, it's between him and Bieber this year. Uh, but I, I just really like Giolito's stuff and he he just seems to be getting better with every outing that he goes these days. And Bieber is very good. I think he's you know, it's like a 1A, 1B type situation, but that team's garbage. And, and he's not going to, you know, he's going to, they can't field, they can't win games for him. And I know we've devalued wins and things like that, but it's just not that good of a team. And you need to have some kind of wins uh, that, that are going to equate to, you know, defensive run save for you that lowers your ERA, that lowers your, your, your advanced analytics and things like that. I don't know. I just think Giolito's the only pitcher out there besides Bieber that I would put money on at the moment. And that's only because I think Garrett Cole is going to have a poor couple like first month or so, because that's typically what he does. And that'll kind of take him out of uh, out of contention against uh, Giolito and Bieber, I think. But I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he won it either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Giolito's a, a pretty good pick. Um, I think if you want to go value pick, I think you go Kenta Maeda in Minnesota, who was the uh, runner-up of the Cy Young uh, last year. You know, he, he was great for the Dodgers. Uh, you know, he had a couple rough postseasons for them, but I think he's been uh, looking for – because the Dodgers really used him more as a, as a swing man. They, they mm-hmm. kind of toyed with him. They put him in the bullpen. They took him out, spot started him, put him on the aisle. They, they did all this stuff, and then he finally had a chance to kind of be that um, kind of 1A to Jose Barrios. So, man uh, – Maeda, what what is his odds like? Plus two thousand. Plus two thousand, correct. Yeah, so I, I'd probably go Maeda on uh, on a value on a value standpoint, but Giolito would probably be my guy as well. Or you know, Bieber, you know, he had a crazy crazy year. Um, so repeating back to back, and and as far as like Cole goes, I think um, you know the home run issue he's had. You know, he still has the great strikeouts in the ERA number, but he always gives up. He always gives up more home runs than you know, I think I would care for out of my ace, um, and, you know, and I think oh, it's always so, so much harder for a Yankee to win a major award unless he's like the runaway favorite, like the, you know, everyone wants to talk about, yeah, people are going to roll my eyes when I say like the Yankee bias, but like, it's actually a real hey, thing. Judge didn't oh. win the MVP when he should have, uh, DJ yeah. should have gotten more votes than he did last year. Miguel Andujar should have won the, yep. should have won the rookie of the year. Gary Sanchez didn't win rookie of the year when oh, he absolutely came right. 20, you know, and you, like, you know what's you know funny about find, people find excuses to not pick Yankees for major awards. Like when, when judge didn't win the MVP, it was more about why judge didn't deserve to win the MVP rather than why Jose Altuve deserved to win the MVP. Yep. So like, yep. that, so, you know, 
it's it's very difficult for Yankees to win major awards. Well, you like want that, you want to hear Yankees bias on the other side of this, where they're maybe there's baiting you to take your money in the top twenty five for odds for Cy Young include not only Garrett Cole but Corey Kluber. Domingo Herman, Luis Severino, <laughs> like these guys are not going to win the Cy Young. How do you even put Severino in the odds? He's, pl- he's the 25th highest the odds in the AL, 25th highest. Obviously, That's 25th crazy. is still, you know, really, really tough odds. I think I'm even missing another Yankee here. Uh, oh, and Tyon is also in the top 25. So, and Shohai, you can bet on Shohai Otani to win the Cy Young. You want to burn money? Bet on Shohai Otani to win the Cy Young. That's how you do that. Uh, so there's Yankee bias. Maybe they're just baiting everybody to pick Yankees for these awards, and they never damn win them. Uh, that being said, let's move on to the NL. We have perhaps another Cy Young to the resume of Jacob DeGrom, plus 380 best odds in the NL, followed by Trevor Bauer, plus 700. Scherzer and Walker Bueller and Yu Darvish, all at plus 1,000, followed by Aaron Nola, Jack Flaherty, Blake Snell, Luis Castillo, Strasburg, et cetera. Who do we like in the NL, boys? I'll tell you who I don't like. Mm. Uh, Trevor Bauer. Like, yep. Oh, my God. Yep. I, 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 I feel like we're just getting him shoved down all of our throats. Oh, my yep. God. Well, that's what and he he's does like, to he, He's talking about, like, he, he's throwing spring training with one eye open, and, like, <laughs> it's just incredible. And, you know, he's getting bombed right now, and the, the Mariners have just had three home runs off of Bauer in one inning. Uh, and right now, in, in their spring training game that's going on at the moment, so like I, I Trevor Bauer is gonna have like the same stats that James pa- James Paxton has for like the Mariners, and like he's gonna get paid forty million dollars this year. Like, I do not. I, if you if you want to burn your money, pick Trevor Bauer as your Cy Young Award winner because it's not it's not happening. But uh, this turn of in terms of guys outside of the Grom, I actually re- really like Luis Castillo. Um, plus I think plus fifteen hundred at the moment. Yep, sixteen at the same well, uh, charts that uh, that you are Pete. Um, you know, uh, Cincinnati's got a good rotation. Um, you know him and Gray and uh, Michael Lorenzen. Uh, I think might uh, he might have gotten to San Francisco, but I think they have a pretty good starting rotation. You know, obviously with Bauer leaving. And them trading Rossell Iglesias, they're not going to be as good. But Luis Castillo is like a a top top young pitcher in baseball, so he's he's my pick for uh, Cy Young. Uh, I'm going with Aaron Nola. Uh, I like Philly. I think Philly's yeah. going to have a good year this year. He's got the talent. Uh, typically, he starts off a little slow, Aaron Nola, and then his his stats really level off towards the end of the year. And you you remember when he had like a five ERA in, in like June, and then somehow it's like a 3.1 or something like that in September. But uh, I really like him. I like the Phillies a lot this year, not to, you know, win a championship or anything, but just to be significantly better than they were last year. Um, they showed it towards the end of last year too. And, and he's just, he's a top flight pitcher. So I, I, I'm going with Noah on there. You get value out of him. If I had to go with one of the favorites, I would go with Walker Bueller just because I really like Walker Bueller. There you go. Yeah. Uh, how do we feel about super long shot Sixto Sanchez? For a rookie, no shot. Came in hot last year in Miami. He was great in the great in the postseason. He did did really. He was the he was the key piece um, for the Marlins when they traded away Real Muto to the Phillies. So mm. um, you know, I think he's got a very bright future ahead of him. But uh, I wouldn't pick him for super long young. shot. And yeah, that's fair. I was just throwing it out. There. I wouldn't pick someone else. Oh, I would avoid picking if you're 
Dilson Lamette of the of the Padres. Oh yeah, you know, he he did really well, but that guy's el- the, the whole reason why. Yep. Like um, <laughs> the the Padres when God did so many additions as they did because his elbows like straight up about to explode. So do not uh, do not uh, Don't go with Dilson trust Lamette. Lamette. Uh, yeah, do not do not. Nice. Is Clevenger pitching at all this season, or is he coming no, back he's later not, on? No, he's he... uh, Tommy John. Tommy John. He'll see. Him I just said 20. I didn't know if he. I didn't know the time. I thought maybe he might be coming back in like June or July. No, I think he had it uh, in like November. Got it. All right. So. Last but not least, so we can all go to bed. And this has been one of our longer episodes ever, mm-hmm. but it was. It's been great. It's been good fun. And let's end with the most fun thing that chicks also dig. Who's gonna hit the most home runs in? The MLB, not ALNL. Who's going to be the MLB leader in home runs? I'll I'll read off just like a few odds. Uh, the leaders in the clubhouse are Trout and Pete Alonso at plus twelve hundred, followed by the likes. Uh, so the the leaders there are plus twelve hundred. That's how stacked and the variations you get there. Soto, Acuna, Gallo, Harper, Bellinger, Eloy Jimenez, uh, Eugenio Suarez, Yordan Alvarez, Aaron Judge. You know, then it goes on and on and on. There's plenty of guys who can hit 30, 40 home runs. Who do you guys like? Joey Gallo, baby. Always. Yeah, is it one. always Joey that was Gallo? Be my pick. That was gonna be it, my pick. And before before he got hurt last year, he was starting to he was starting to work more walks. He was starting to get a little bit more contact, and that's the key for him. Trade shit. Uh, though. He's he's got he, that guy just can knock the ball into the next state every stupid, time he takes a Stupid power. It's stupid. And I actually know firsthand, I bet on his over home runs and for him to lead the league in home runs last year, and that injury derailed my hopes. Um but what did I, plus 1,600 for Joey Gallo. How do we feel about someone like, who has actually done it before, Jorge Soler, plus 4,000? He's led the league in home runs before, so, eh? Yeah, eh? I, I, I guess I could see it, but if I'm, if I'm thinking I'm going to pick somebody, I'm going to pick somebody who's also done it before and someone that, again, someone that got picked for an AL MVP uh, pick here. I think I'm going Giancarlo mm. for, for home runs. I mean, you know, he, yeah, we're only three, four years away uh, from him hitting 50. I think he had 57. So I think uh, I think he's as safe as bet as uh, anybody. I love it. Yeah, I, I can see Luke Voigt doing it too. Luke Voigt looked real comfortable <laughs> yeah. at the plate last year and obviously won it last year. So Plus 2,000 for Giancarlo, plus 2,400 for Luke Voigt. A uh, couple more fun ones here. Vlad Guerrero Jr., plus 4,500. Trevor Story. He's going to lose power. He's going to lose power. He lost too much weight. Mm. Mm-hmm. Bat speed? Increase maybe I don't know. Uh, Trevor Story plus three thousand. Andrew's MVP pick. Um, Framil Reyes is a guy. You're down Alvarez. Stupid power. So yeah, there's guys out here who hit home runs in the MLB. Believe it or not, there's... it's going to be lower this year. I'm telling you, you're not going to. I don't think you're going to see a fifty home run this year. I think you're going to see in the tops is going to be in the in the mid to mid to high forties. There you go. And I think that's part of the reason why I picked John Carlo because like you know a lot There's of the a high guys, floor there. a lot of the guys that like you know can are wall scrapers that are just carrying yep. like the, all of all of Stanton's home runs are, are no doubters. So yeah. I don't think the baseball is going to really uh, going to be that much of a hindrance when he gets a hold of one. Good stuff. Y'all, this was great fun. We are not at two hours, but we're damn close hour and 50 <laughs> minutes on the baseball preview here. I hope there are some people out there who listen to the show who are still here right now listening. Cause that's awesome. If you're here listening, like shout the f- out to you, man. You're the best. Thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate it very much. And if, if you're here now, you might as well just admit that you like the show a little bit. Maybe go on iTunes or have a podcast app. Takes like 30 more seconds. You've already been here for two hours. 
leave a rating, leave a review. We appreciate you greatly. We'll be back all season, the designated hitters, to talk baseball, to talk Mets, Yankees, and whatnot. Uh, we're not going to do last words, like last word, last words, because it's been way too long. Did anything else you just want to throw in before we say goodbye? Anything quick? Go Yanks. Go Yanks. Let's talk about Mika Japan, Jeff. All right. <laughs> All right. Subway Sports Talk for Al Cargento and Andrew Kalanya. My name is Peter Kennedy. This has been Subway Sports Talk. Cheers. See ya.